Okay, we have pictures and we have sound. So this um, is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm going to give an explanation for anybody who doesn't know, but we actually tried to talk a couple of times before, and um, there were troubles everywhere, and there was all sorts of issues, and we had sounds and that. So we've actually this is our third attempt to try and actually have a chat about Star Trek and about beer, and um, the very first thing we're going to do is Vern here from the Federation of Beer is going to update us on what the current star date is. Um, currently at uh, 9 a.m. 36 seconds, it is 30056 or 30056.505707762767. So uh, because this uh, is being recorded and will be a part of the uh, history of the world, uh, it is very important that we ensure that uh, this is uh, dated correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um, just as a note, so where, what's the the start date of Star Date? How, an idea? How does it, how does it relate into calendars? Well, the the problem I have is I've drunk so much of the Star Trek beer I can't recall. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so let's, listen for anybody who doesn't know. Um, first of all, I'm pretty sure everybody here will, or regardless of anywhere you've been in the world, you know what Star Trek is, um, and so. What we have here is located in the town of Vulcan, believe it or not, is the Federation of Beer. Um, and they produce Star Trek beers. So, um, Vern, maybe, yeah, maybe just start. Vulcan is not another planet in this case. It's in Canada. Yeah, pop, uh, the population of Vulcan, which is about 90-minute drive south of downtown Calgary, is just under 2,000 uh, uh, residents. Um, because of the unique name that's uh, based... Uh, on folklore, it was actually one of the names, the Canadian Pacific Railway, tied to a uh, uh, station that was required with the steam locomotives. At roughly every 10 miles, uh, you would have to pull in and uh, get water. So it was a source of water, and um, that's basically where the town of Vulcan uh, originated. It was a railroad town. Uh, it's known to have nine elevators in a line. Primarily what's interesting is... Um, a, uh, Anheuser-Busch um, purchases a good majority of their wheat for international uh, production of their beer from Vulcan County. It's one of the best barley growing um, regions in the world. And uh, there's a lot of uh, major malting companies located close by. There's Canada malting, RAR malting, uh, all through this particular corridor. So, um, yeah, Canada is one of the primary exporters of uh, base malt as well especially malts from around for uh, breweries around the world okay but that isn't why why star trek or the federation of beer is based in vulcan it's basically because it's vulcan yes so what happened uh, several decades ago um when star trek was uh, out and about um uh, the local council figured it was logical very logical to approach uh, cbs entertainment at the time and uh, request uh, to be the official Star Trek capital of Canada. Now, Canada is not spelled the traditional way. It's K-H-A-A-N-A-D-A. So it's um, with reference to, of course, Canada. <laughs> yes. So um, in, in a nutshell, um, I didn't really know because at the time I loved watching Star Trek, but I wasn't really um, uh, following canon too closely up to the point a friend of mine said to me, um, uh, Paul Carew, he is uh, one of our founders, 
one day he said, I'm going to do a presentation to the Alberta Council of Technology. We have a new technology to attract people with, throughout a Comic-Con to help um, the different exhibitors know uh, and follow up with people that actually stopped at the booths. Uh, I ended up going to uh, Edmonton to watch their presentation in a format similar to Dragon's Den. And um, they all arrived as Klingons. Uh, their pitch was basically after going to all these Star Trek conventions, after speaking to not only the actors and actresses, but also the vendors, it would be a wonderful thing to triangulate and uh, thank the people that uh, attended uh, their booths and uh, so they could do a follow-up. So mm -hmm. at that point, um, that evening we had dinner and uh, it was brought up that the previous year, the product that was being presented to the VIP function, the beer and the wine, wasn't um, uh, up to normal standards. So as a beer importer, as well as a wine importer at that time, uh, Paul said, you should contact Dana. She's in charge of uh, Vulcan tourism and uh, poss possibly you can supply this year's product and the rest is history. Right. And that was like at that stage, it was you were bringing in what? Like standard, standard yeah. beers. Yeah, we uh, the uh, tourism center of course sells Star Trek memorabilia. They had a, a captain, uh, Captain Kirk bobblehead, as well as a um, McCoy bottle, bobble, bottle bobblehead. <laughs> and um, so what we ended up doing is re we rebranded um, a Blau Frankish wine, which is a red wine from Austria, it was organically certified as well as kosher, as well as a Chardonnay from the Hafner Winery. Uh, in Austria. And on the flip side, I was working with Ankerbrau from Nordling in Germany in Bavaria, and we had a traditional Bavarian Hells as well as um, we, we didn't have a wit beer from them, so we sort of played with their uh, traditional Hefeweizen uh, for, for that evening. Uh, and you just rebranded those then as I think you told me it was yeah, a vulgar and the real McCoy wit, yes. <laughs> and how long did it take you to come up with the names? It uh, didn't take too long because, uh, again, there's uh, 2,000 people that live in Vulcan. And uh, Dana herself, after being immersed um, within Vulcan and all these various uh, parades they've had prior to me beaming in, um, it was quite logical that Captain, should, Captain Kirk should have a lager. And, of course, uh, you've seen so many of the original series with McCoy in them. And uh, he... As a deadpan humorist, um, it, it was a no-brainer at that time. Right. And so from there, like how, how okay, so that, that was a one-off thing, though. How did it then become? Yeah, it was a one-off. Um, what happened after that is um, uh, Dana suggested to us, she said, well, you know, we're allowed to rebrand and do something for the VIP function. Why don't you guys uh, contact CBS? Here's their number. And, and we were working with them in Toronto and New York. Uh, why don't you approach them and see if you can brew beer in Canada and so that next year we could actually have a properly uh, brewed and branded product. Uh, being in the liquor industry at that point for uh, pretty much a decade, I, I reached out uh, with Paul and uh, we found out that they liked the idea. Um, our pitch was a little bit different. We didn't want to take a um, macro beer and try and uh, ship it throughout the world. We wanted to make sure all of our beers were unique, collectible, as well as well well produced. Uh, no differently than the several series, of course, or, you know, through the next generation, etc. And uh, they liked the idea, um, so that's where it began. So the first year, we were, we only had rights to brew beer in Canada, 
And then after that, uh, we were able to brew beer. The license expanded into the United States in 2014. Okay. So, yeah. So, so on that point, I mean, yeah, Paramount are obviously a, a huge, you know, that, that they're a huge company. So, yeah, I mean, the easy thing for them, I guess, to do would be to to go to some big conglomerate, some like like Budweiser, just take their example and just tell them, you know, just license the label. So, what? You know that, that that would have been their easy, straightforward, and I guess that's how most licensing deals are. Like you know, if there's yes. money there, Budweiser would have paid them enough, and they would have just all well done it. So how come they they decided to go with someone small? Well, if you look at it, when the first Star Trek convention uh, appeared uh, after the cancellation of Star Trek, it was uh, put together by some of the stars, but mostly fans. It was a fandom uh, event. And that particular event's been going on for decades in Las Vegas. And um, so I really think that the nuance of uh, and the lore of Star Trek is it's inclusive, not exclusive. So um, you would often find a lot of uh, various uh, um, very creative people uh, taking time to sew their own uniform, uh, uh, to do artwork, etc. As, as long as they don't sell the product, uh, they're within um, the rights of producing something because it's in the public domain. Uh, once, once you go out and actually um, sell something, you have to be fully licensed by Paramount Entertainment. So we didn't, uh, we didn't want to um, do anything that was improper. So again, we were able to reach out. And um, uh, you know, half of our people that started with us uh, had attended some of the original Star Trek conventions. Uh, we had uh, Richard Weger, and uh, he's our token Vulcan, which is really, uh, he's an actual veterinarian from the Calgary, Calgary area. Um, again, uh, Paul Carew, uh, he is his group. Uh, we're all formi- former uh, Canadian veterans from uh, both the Navy and Army. And of course, that does make logical sense to be a, uh, be, to be a Klingon. So, uh, so that's the history. Um, myself, I was uh, my background, of course, was in beer distribution and importation, as well as wine, and we went from there. Okay, so um, yeah, so so how does sorry um, yeah, so so I mean that 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 makes a lot of sense. This wasn't the terms of yeah, like I said, you think of the big conglomerates, but then you think yeah, Star Trek is very much made of fans and small communities and that the. the Yes. I mean, it's legendary that the community of Star Trek, I'm not, I've never dressed up myself, but I, I like watching the series. Um, you know, I've never maybe taken it to that next level, but it's it's legendary. Yeah. So that, that obviously plays a big part. And is, I suppose, like the people in Paramount must be fans as well. So then it, that, that makes sense. You know, we sometimes forget that, that corporations are made up of people. <laughs> yeah. So when we designed our first beer uh, as an, our second beer, first beer was Vulcan Ale. That was released in 2013. And uh, when we uh, began that process of launching Vulcan Ale, it was uh, just sold at that point in Alberta. And uh, it was a limited release uh, partnering in with the uh, uh, Spock days in, in Vulcan. And then uh, following that, um, we watched Klingon Warnog in 2014, timed that to the nightclub and bar show in Las Vegas. Both of those particular projects took several months to develop the label to make sure that the both labels that would 
uh, we're within Canon. Uh, one thing uh, some people don't recognize, but normally anything that is tied to um, a television series and or movie, if you don't put a likeness of a star, uh, the, uh, the license holder can work with you directly. If you say chose, you wanted um, the likeness of Spock on uh, as, a, as a marketing tool for a Vulcan Ale, we would have had to go to uh, Leonard Nimoy at that time. And in the future, now we would have to work with the state first uh, to get the rights to do something like that. So, um, so that's sort of the update on how this all started. Um, if I take a look, uh, our first day of product launch was on April 16th of 2013. On April 23rd, within a week, um, we announced that we would be in the Calgary Expo, which is a large Comic-Con. I think right now close to 100,000 people attend over four days. Um, we were then picked up by CBC, Canada's national uh, newscaster, on April 27th. And then on May 20th, uh, we actually made the New York Times. Uh, Hugh uh, Merlin actually um, wrote an article about what was going on in Vulcan. So try to point out is you don't know if on a project how well it's going to be uh, attended and or, you know, embraced. And within uh, a one-month period, um, what we started out in Vulcan, a small small project to support Star Trek within the uh, lore of Vulcan had expanded internationally. We were starting to get calls from even actually uh, Dublin all the way through to Hong Kong saying, how do we get the, you know, how do we get this? How do we get the beer? Right. And at that point uh, we really identified that uh, this is going to be a lot of fun and we should pursue the project um, with, with additional products, uh, additional releases or episodes. And how does it work now? Um, you work, like you said, you work with local breweries. You That's don't work correct. with, um, and I suppose local depends on the size of the market and depends you yes. know, on what the, the thing is. But um, so, so how does it work? If Does it... Is it all based around the conventions? Like if there's a convention on that you work with a local brewery to produce the beers just for sale around the convention? Or do you work with breweries to like ha have it on, have a brew available for six months? Or, or what's the, the process on it? Yeah, um, our, our preference is one and done. Um, uh, if you take a look at eBay, some of our empty bottles sell more than a full, ca full case of beer. So uh, last time I looked, one uh, empty bottle of Klingon Imperial Porter was uh, being uh, sold for 36 U.S. dollars. Um, when, we, when we first sold um, a four-pack in Las Vegas, it was like fifteen ninety-five for four-pack with beer in it. So if, if you imagine, um, if we do this well, you could, uh, as a beer collector, over time, in theory, uh, it may become a very valuable uh, part of your collection. And um, so on, on the, what we ended up doing also, we recognized the beer market has shifted and it's even shifted further away from uh, regional or um, say national breweries to more of a localized uh, level. Um, we're a small group and we have a half dozen uh, Star Trek lovers. And we recognized within our first launch in Alberta, 
that the most logical way of getting product into the market would be to identify a local brewery. Let's say in Halifax, we work with Garrison Brewing. Um, I was the sales manager for Garrison in Western Canada. I contacted Brian, said, Brian, here's an idea. He said, Helcon's coming up, let's do it. And um, it was a very successful event. We actually, I believe, were interviewed by all national newspapers as well as local television um, stations back then. And uh, that's what we did with Schmaltz Brewing in time for the 50th anniversary uh, Mission New York in 2016. And uh, we also were invited in 2016 to be at the London XL Star Trek uh, Convention 50th anniversary Star Trek. I worked um, for about a decade with um, a Czech brewery, uh, Jatek, and that's uh, when we developed the syndicate lager, the Orion Seductress. Um, based on one of the original series episodes. And uh, we sold out in Excel uh, Center immediately. It was, um, you know, I believe it's a three-day show and we ran out within a day and a bit. So these are, these are things we try and do. Um, we want to make sure that whatever's available in the market is fresh and uh, basically uh, the best, uh, basically the best that you can do. Right. And... If a brewery, if you're working with a brewery on this, then there's you already have some recipes and labels made up yes. and ready to go, and they're approved because just even just from what you said, like just the label approval alone is a long process. So you have some that are ready to go, but yes. can a brewery kind of work with you? Can, can they get their own like one off? Yes, that is part of that series, or so good example. I think we talked last time, although. Um, uh, everything had fallen apart electronically. Um, we, the largest brewery we've worked with um, was probably Garrison Brewing in Halifax. It, it's been around for several decades in Halifax as one of the original craft brewers in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, we received a call in 2016 from uh, Brew Pub, Clock Tower Brew Pub in Ottawa, which is strategically placed very near the Ottawa uh, Fan Expo or Comic-Con. And um, they, they reached out to us, said we have an idea for a label. Uh, we took that idea. We worked with, um, at that time, the creative team in New York City. And um, we were able to develop um, a, a new label specifically for Clock Tower. We had, of course, it, it takes months to do that. But once that was done, uh, it, the product was available, but it was only available in Ottawa during that period. They brewed a very small quantity. I think it was like 30 hectoliters, right? right. So often uh, what we find is depending on the scale of the project, normally a brewery that um, can brew multiple batches but ferment, say, 60 hectoliters, that's sort of the sweet spot for a smaller, smaller um, release. And, okay. uh, you know, maybe before Christmas, uh, we would uh, work with the same brewer, have a different label, hopefully, and then uh, produce a little bit more just because of the festive time period. But generally speaking, most of the product that we do brew, we want it pre-sold before it hits the market so that um, it basically beams in and beams back out. Right. And that's where having a, a specific event obviously focuses everything because you have... Yeah, you've got... 
a good example. Kept- yeah, you have people flying from around the world to go to the San Diego Comic Con as an example. We've we've launched there before the New York Comic Con. So you know when you've got two hundred fifty thousand people coming into a lo- location, quite a few of them follow Star Trek. So if you're really going to be sharing the love of craft beer and Star Trek, it does make a lot of sense to identify uh, certain events where everybody gets together. It's a lot more fun when you're drinking with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> well, much more recommended than on your own, I think. Yeah. Doctors would agree. Um, yeah, so, but... And then the labels, just coming back to the labels there. So, and the collectible nature of this. So, say, which one did you mention? What was the lager you mentioned there a while ago? You had um, Engage, was it? Um, actually, uh, yeah, I'll go through a couple of things. Um, our slogan is basically, we're boldly brewing where no beer has gone before. Um, a little back to, uh, backtracking to um, when we went to um, launch our beer at the nightclub and bar show, uh, John Taffer from Bar Rescue, that's his show. He's the showrunner. And uh, we were able to make use of a prototype bar pod that was being uh, that was developed for Anheuser-Busch for Super Bowl. Um, Anheuser-Busch was going to see how it would work. We were given the opportunity to uh, choose the anomalies. What we did is we brought in 16 different beers, and we asked the 250,000 people at the convention to choose your anomaly. And um, we did have Klingon Warnog there. When, when we were there, a lot of the people from NBC, CBS were there as well. That weekend, uh, just after the nightclub and bar show, uh, we were put on Saturday Night Live, uh, where Klingon uh, basically was up and running and promoting our product, which is pretty cool. And Conan O'Brien on the Friday evening also uh, poked fun of it. He said, this particular beer is one that most Klingons would drink alone. So um, I guess... People are also asking the time because we did uh, at that time period launch the Klingon Warnog. Um, you know, why we chose a Rogan Dunkel? Well, first off, it sounds pretty rough. And um, they, they were also asking because you, you, even back then, a lot of people were homebrewers. They said, well, how do, how do, what was your malt bill? It was rye malt. And uh, we used a modern Dunkel Weissen grain bill. So what that allowed us to do is the Warnog had a aroma. Uh, of basically uh, blending of malt, rye malt in the traditional clove character of, of uh, standard um, Bavarian Hefeweizen yeast strain. And uh, because it had a rich and unique flavor uh, and it had you know, both wheat and malt um, characteristics using both wheat and, malt, um, wheat and rye malts and caramel malts, it, it turned out to be uh, very successful. Um, uh, you, you think that's all you had to do when that was, that was basically within our news release. Um, it was picked up within a couple of days by the Guardian newspaper in the UK, where um, a Star Trek lover <laughs> took it and, and he said the following, a real Klingon would probably be more into blood and steel flavors, something that tastes more like victory and less like wheat. So uh, all I'm pointing out is how, why not? Uh, this is this is within one year. Seriously, this is within actually less than one year. <laughs> this is 11 months in. Uh, we had just received the rights to start brewing in the United States. And this happens. You can see how much fun we were having. Yeah, um, 
And I think the reason I had to go through that is in, in the last six months, we've been working with uh, uh, Viacom Paramount Entertainment out of London, England. Um, we found, because we were only brewing in the, at the first iteration of Federation of Beer um, within the United States and Canada, anytime uh, the Star Trek convention uh, in Las Vegas or, say, the New York Comic Con popped up, um, it was clearly evident that a good portion of the consumers um, that, you know, beer lovers were from Europe and Brazil, locations like that. We began negotiations earlier this year and we've uh, formulated three new beers. One of them is um, uh, using Galaxy Hops and it's a Galaxy Class Ale. We call it an Extraordinary Ale. And as you point out, it's Engage. The Engage project will allow uh, local brewers to work with us and put some component of profit towards a local charity like a food bank. Um, I know in, um, what we're going to be doing on our Engage launch here in time for the Calgary Expo, which is in late April this year, we will be working with the Calgary as well as the Airdrie Food Banks and the Vulcan Food Banks to donate um, some of the profits towards um, you know, uh, it's been a tough time with inflation and everything else. So if you know any of the brewers in Ireland or any place else listening to us right now, like to do something like that, uh, we'd be happy to put your logo with our logo on a label and ensure that people know it's a one batch to support a local charity. Right. So that would be, just so we're clear for the brewers who are thinking about this, I mean, that would be, they would brew the recipe you have Yes. in their local market that have no yes. competition there um yes. and it would be the only star trek beer in the local market obviously that's correct and events yes. and generally speaking we wouldn't want anything like we wouldn't want to brew more than say uh, a thousand flats as an example because we have multiple labels over time we could work with that particular brewery to do two or three releases a year we don't want to saturate the market but we we do knew to do know that um uh, by strategically putting different uh, styles of beer into the market uh, and not flooding a market, um, it, it goes very well. And well, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, that, that fits a lot with the craft beer where there's always something new coming up. You know, they yeah. might have a small core range, but breweries and, and are retailers, and, it, and be candid, it's a saturated market right now. So retailers can only take some in. We we started doing our pre-sales for our launch in Alberta. Majority of the retailers are coming back to us between two and five flats. So if you do produce 500 flats, you will likely have to be in 200 stores. Just throw a number out there. Um, right. You know, bars might buy two or three flats. So the old days where you could get a stack of beer, say 20 flats into one location, they're long gone. Right. Yes, and, and this, yes, I mean, as you say, like, I mean, the big problem for most brewers is that shelf space and getting that, yes. you know, because everybody's looking for something new and that it's just purely people aren't buying beers or at least a large portion. They're going, how, how yeah, let me phrase this as kind of the untapped view, you know, they, they just yes. tick it off, tick it off. They have to have a new beer all the time and it's just picking something based on, a second's look on the shelf so star trek obviously jumps mm -hmm. out there. and then that collectible element as well yeah um, that, yeah sorry yeah, sorry um we were looking into possibilities of having let's say a core brand and what you're pointing out right now is what uh, the markets shifted to hyper local um as many 
as many releases as you could possibly do, which means in the province of Alberta, when we first started uh, releasing products, there's roughly 2,000 beer listings. There's now 10,000 beer listings in, in Alberta. There's no more liquor stores. And you, it's not like an accordion. You just pull, um, pull, pull the accordion open and put more beer on new shelves. Most, you know, it's bricks and mortar, right? Yeah. So uh, these, these are just things that were, uh, I'm sure in Ireland and other locales in Europe, people were feeling the same thing. One of the breweries we, uh, I talked about earlier when we did the first um, convention in um, 2013 um, using uh, Anchor Brow, it was a 400-year-old brewery. And uh, it was actually uh, Quebec City and Anchor Brow shared the same date of founding, which was in the 1600s. And unfortunately, uh, the brewery was cl recently closed in the last five years. So if you, it, when you know a brewer in Bavaria has to close because of competition and uh, being an old brew house, what, um, actually I talked to the general manager of Jatek, they're uh, building a new brew house and a new brewery just because the old breweries are inefficient compared to the uh, newer technologies that are available. So there's, there's a lot of flux in the market. And I'm sure you have stories of people that have been in the market for several years. Schmaltz Brewing that worked with us for a, a New York release is no longer in business. And um, it, yeah, it's tough. It's very tough for a lot over of here, people. I've just seen two in the, last, in the last week that are just announced they're closing down. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what it's like over, over in Canada, but like the, the energy crisis here is just, you know, the cost it's, of energy it, has gone through the roof. We're, we're fortunate, especially in Alberta, because we have the largest oil reserves in the world outside of Saudi Arabia, and we also have one of the largest uh, natural gas fields. Um, our, our provincial government in the last uh, six months actually canceled all fuel taxes. And uh, what they basically said is if the cost of a barrel of oil goes beyond $80, then you don't pay anything if you're a consumer. And uh, I think there's more and more people looking at that. The real income in Canada has not increased in the last 30 years. You know, you might be making three times as much, but you're paying more than three times when it comes to purchasing a house or paying rent. And um, I know uh, speaking with several brewers uh, in the last few few months, including uh, we were interviewing with Yuri uh, earlier this week, um, when you're having brownouts, blackouts, um, you, you you can barely, feet, barely heat your home. How do you yep. brew a batch of beer? Uh, I, I, I really feel for the people, uh, whether, you, whether you're in Africa or Europe, uh, what's going on in this world. I talked to my dad before he passed uh, in July this year, and he couldn't give me any guidance at, at the age of 82. And uh, he's a very worldly man himself. So it is, it's very difficult. You know, I don't know what to tell my son. Or daughter right now yeah no it's and yeah so i mean the, like as we said there are breweries and and it is tough but um so then like what what does let's bring that back around so and, and kind of crystal clear so what does a brewer get out of working them with the federation of beer like what okay, what, what yeah. do you think the advantages are for them are uh so so the process is fairly simple so we, we, we at the Federation of Beer identify that we would like to brew in, uh, let's use Ireland as an example. Um, because I worked in the brew of Ukraine, there were several breweries in Ireland. 
Um, we've done full collaborations with Brew for Ukraine. So learning that several breweries can get together. We, you know, we're all into if there's a Brewers Guild, that maybe we do work with the Brewers Guild, especially in understanding the economic situations uh, with the high cost of heating, et cetera. And uh, what that does is it also um, allows for a better dispersion of the product. So if you have, like in Alberta, uh, it's roughly 300 kilometers between Edmonton and Calgary. If we choose to brew at one of the facilities, but you have this sales and marketing team in Edmonton uh, distributing to the Edmonton stores, and the same with the Calgary Brewery in the Calgary stores. Um, once the product's released, it can be into the stores within two or three days, right, uh, under a pre-sale agreement. So um, I think going forward, we will be working with more brewers' guilds. And um, on the flip side, uh, we'd like to share some of our recipes for uh, home brewers as well, similar to what we've done with the Brew for Ukraine. Right. And then, yeah, so, so that would be a, like I said, a guild, a number of people coming together. They'd yeah. all, would they, like, would that be a case where they could all brew smaller batches individually or one person oh, is kind of taking, the, taking the lead on the brewing the batches or? Yeah. So, so let's throw this out here. Um, if it's like a Christmas variety pack, we, um, a good example, uh, Engage is using a Galaxy class hop. Um, there, there's other hop varieties, Comet, Etzra, it is a lot of the hops are actually named, um, yes, based based on, themed, yeah. um, you know, space, you know, stars. So, um, th there, there could possibly be an opportunity for a few brewers to get to together, take the base recipe and all you do is change up the dry hopping using a different, different hop profile. So, you know, I, I, we want to be creative, but we also have to respect um, the amount of time we have to put a project together and the amount of time it takes to get any label change, including just adding a logo of a brewery partner of ours or manufacturer working with us. It, it's not instantaneous. Every label change must go through uh, Paramount Entertainment's legal. But so, yeah, so we, it would be, have to be... Because we're working in 85 countries, it would uh, our preference would be taking one of our existing recipes. But I do know that I'm working with a brewer in North Carolina right now. It's a tweak on one of our existing labels showing the Star Trek Enterprise on it. Uh, just different colors is what they're hoping to do uh, for back, backdrop, et cetera. So that may not take too long. But right. um, some of the very creative ideas we have um, may take a little bit longer. Um, so what happens is let's assume that a brewery says we're going to make 500 flats and we're going to sell each, um, uh, each master carton or flat for say hundred Canadian dollars or 75 us. We take that calculation and that becomes the gross revenue to the brewery. Uh, we then have to take a royalty rate, which is roughly 20%. And, uh, that particular percent then is uh, sent back to Paramount. And from that point, once we have the label approved, the revenue, uh, the net revenue that uh, for that particular project stays with the brewer. Um, so it works easiest that way because um, we have several breweries we're working with and we don't want to send an invoice out and chase after somebody later because our focus is on uh, broadening the, uh, yeah. the bandwidth versus uh, chasing after. <laughs> um, and Two thousand dollars, whatever it may be. 
So, but but does that? I'm, I'm just thinking, like, because obviously the brewer, then there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a risk. It probably, like you said, it's collectible yeah. and it'll get a huge amount of publicity. So it's a, it's probably a very minor risk. But if they were worried, like, do they have? Does that license cover a particular period of time, or can uh, they... it's one batch? Yeah. So how right. it works is it uh... could take a year to sell that and. Well, the, the, I don't want the brewer to say they need to brew a cer certain amount. If they come to us and say we're going to brew 500 flats, and that, that's sort of a normal, ba normal batch size, at least in Alberta. Um, I don't want them to come to us to give us that forecast. I want them to have a solid pre-sale. So if we have a memorandum of understanding or expression of interest, uh, we understand that the label is going to be looking so like so-and-so, um, then... At that point, we would uh, ask the, you know, ask the uh, group or a group of brewers or the brewer to go out with their sales force and pre-sell the product. So if 80% of the products pre-sold, say 400 flats out of 500, their risk is negligible, very negligible. Right. So that would be no before they hand over a cent or anything. Yeah. So, so this is no different than um, online sales uh, groups often like Tavor will have a broad, say, thousands upon thousands of craft beer lovers in the United States around the world. They say, we're planning to do a McKellar release or we're planning to do an Evil Twin release. And uh, everybody puts their pre-orders in. You know, they can then feed that information back to the uh, buying uh, buyers as well as the brewer so that there's adequate stock on that launch. So these are just uh, tools that are available to us. If you came back to us 15 years ago, it would have been a lot more difficult. Now we can gather this information and uh, directly from the consumer, which is, is tremendous. Um, so uh, maybe uh, going through one of our other brands that we're going to be, there, there's some issues here I think we talked about before. Our next product is going to be called the Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, the problem we have with Tribbles is they get everywhere, including our Belgian beer glass. It's going to be a triple. And... Um, like tribbles, uh, too many uh, can be troublesome. Uh, it's going to be a higher, um, higher alcohol product. And, it's, and I think in the big picture uh, on something like that, you know, it is something could be cellared because it would be a Belgian tribble. So our preference often would be is in Imperial Stout and st stuff like that. that, that that's some, so if somebody comes to us and say, we want to do this, then we, we often would work with them. And so the product would be sellable, right? So there's there's all, all types of things we we got to listen to the market, and the best people to listen to in the market are the ones we're working with on a local level. Yeah. No, I, I was just thinking while you were talking, like you know, I, I see a lot of collabs going on with with brewers and yeah and distributors. You know, I mean, I've seen off licenses doing collabs now i don't know how much input the off license had into it but they get on the label and obviously they stock it and they do it yeah i could see something like that or a supermarket chain or someone who does that working very well on that sort of thing like you know they, yeah. they have the space they work with a brewery and, and they both get on the label or something you know yeah so so it's interesting um i can speak on behalf of uh one of canada's largest grocery chains i think the second largest it's sobeys they're based out of um, um, uh, Maritimes, and they now they purchase uh, Canada Safeway, so they've expanded tremendously. When I first started working with them on Star Trek beer release, which was in 2013, uh, there was they said it's in all stores, 
Now what they'll do is they'll say, look, it's going to Vulcan's nearest to Calgary. We have limited shelf space. We'll tell you what, out of the hundred and some odd stores, we're going to put it in 25 stores, right? So again, um, you know, you have to work with your client, which is the retailer, as well as the brewer to understand how much beer is profitable to produce. There's no sense producing something to sell the loss. It's not good for you or me. You know, to have skanky beers, sometimes people would say, or yeah, there's dust in the bottles. It's not It's not what we want. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, again, that comes back to what you were saying about, you know, Paramount willing to work with smaller yeah. groups with this model. It It is back to, I don't know whether it's because they're very protective of the Star Trek brand or, like you said, oh, yeah. there are people who like beer as well and they're willing to... They're not trying to, let's use the word, they're not trying to screw this. Like they're not trying to, trying no. to squeeze everything out of the golden goose. They're, they're no, to... and, and again, the market, uh, you, it's a it's restricted market because it's alcohol and, um, and because distributors have no space. And that's probably not in Europe as well, South America as well. It's very difficult to get the wholesaler to get the product into the retailer. Um, we, we don't want to create something that, let's put it this way, um, if you take a look, there, if you watch Deep Space Nine, Quark's quite famous to say there's always a profit motive and profit is good, right? So outside of how they normally look at profit, what we try and do is take a look at the three uh, partners. We're the licensee. We, we are responsible for the license. We go to a manufacturer, which is the local brewery, and decide with the local brewery how much you can produce profitably working with us. We have to get our cut. Our cut then is shared, of course, with uh, Paramount Entertainment. We want all three parties to be profitable. And we also want to put some of the proceeds on some of the releases to help support things like food banks. And um, our, our expectation is based on the inflation and everything else going on. Most of the breweries will probably want to put aside um, some portion of their investment back into the local community. Yeah. And community, I, I think that again is coming back to, I mean, brewers, it's always, you know, they're always encouraging people to support local. So if they're supporting local as That's well, right. everybody benefits out of it. Um, yeah. So, so just the, the track there because i think you mentioned it but I, I didn't maybe pick up fully on it the time frame on this like if someone came to you tomorrow and say they they wanted to go with your existing recipe or they wanted to go with something yeah completely new, what kind of time frames are you talking about well i guess if if things uh work out uh perfectly uh often some of the retailers um have a planned um seasonal launch program or limited release launch program with their existing local brewer. So a good example is if it's being incorporated in an, um, uh, an annual plan where a lot of the shelf space is already a uh, token, um, they can come back to us and say, we're gonna plug this into our marketing plan. We know we always sell this much. We think, you know, this is a comfortable amount we're gonna sell, we like, We've taken, you know, we'll share the labels, which one do you want to do? We like X label, you know, maybe they want to do uh, Captain's Lager as an example. Okay, so because we have the core label already produced, 
likely the easy, um, the shortest time period based on they know how much is going to be sold. They, they already know be able, um, 120 days. So okay, you have so to look at the product, the product, uh, labels take time. There has been a backlog of label timeframes. I know that if you're wanting to put the uh, product into a carton, there have been shortages of carton materials of all things. Things are improving. Of course, there was a can shortage recently. I can speak because I'm a part of the Brewers Alliance buying group. We have uh, over 300 members throughout uh, North America. If you talk to us last year this time, the ability to get cans, labels, everything produced, uh, sleeves for canning, um, was tremendously much longer than it was prior to the lockdown. So things uh, things are improving. Uh, the the ability to purchase bright cans to put labels on is much better today. If one is a larger brewery and they want to do a, a printed can, uh, we used to uh, our Vulcan Ale as well as our Klingon Warnog were in printed cans. And all we had to do is buy one truckload of printed cans going back 10 years ago. Today, um, uh, well, up to recently, the minimum was five truckloads of printed cans. What's, what, what's now happening in the market, because there's additional supply coming on, um, when you're part of the buying group uh, Brewers Alliance, now the printed can um, uh, quantities for minimum runs are back to where they were before. So uh, again, it comes down to is one putting a, a label in a bottle uh, because they're a bottle product. It may be a little faster than purchasing sleeves, having cans sleeved and then shipped out. Right. But 120 days. And if, they, if somebody wants to work with us on an actual label um, for, say, Christmas of next year, I think we could fit that in. However, if the plan was launching sometime prior to June, it may be a stretch to say that could be possible. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that this all—it's a fascinating thing. And like I said, what I'm really impressed with is the way it's kind of—it's not just a license to a big group, and they just flood the market with, with kind yeah. of you know a macro beer. I, I really like the way. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt, but a good example is Edmonton Comic Con comes up after the Calgary Comic Con. So, my preference would be in Alberta that we would do a single batch uh, partnering with a group of say brewers in Calgary or one brewer in Calgary, run out uh, and then a couple months later, possibly do a different label or it could be the same label, but working with a brewery that's been around a long time, possibly like Alley Cat in, in Edmonton or there's tons of breweries in Edmonton might want to do a project like this. So Again, uh, our key, uh, the key business component is we do not allow the beer to be shipped outside of a jurisdiction. So if a, if a brewery in New York State is launching for the Albany Comic-Con or the New York Comic-Con, they are not allowed to distribute that product outside of their state. And that gives us an opportunity to work. Um, good example in Nova Scotia for a Comic-Con, Quebec for a Comic-Con, Ireland, UK. Um, the Scots might argue differently, but we'd have to look at that. And then the other countries. So we, we've already got interest in, um, as we, we spoke a bit, a bit before, in Lithuania. 
and we were already talking to a Comic-Con in Lithuania, and I have approached, uh, based on some of your uh, recommendations, to brewers there to see if they want to work with us. Yeah, it's right. for them to get back if they're interested. Yeah, there's another one, actually, I'll, I'll give you afterwards. I just thought of afterwards. Um, might, might be useful. But, um, yeah, so so just bringing it back, because that, that thing about the labels, the collectibles. So, like, these are very much... Um, a collectible thing that people go so each label yeah. as you said is different it has the brewers thing so that it is an obviously for a collector they can see which which episode it is and who brewed That's it right. and they could have yeah. the whole captain's lager range across you're correct yeah okay. so and it, it will be in the um because we'll be shipping product in say lithuania it's not like it's going to only have english on it so part of the collectability of course is have different languages um, whether it's Portuguese or Spanish or French um, predominant on the label. That's another, if you take a look at the Star Trek, um, history of Star Trek is getting all of mankind to work together and not to fight. So it, to me, it would be interesting, as you're pointing out, if you have a captain's lager based brewed in Canada and you have a captain's lager brewed in Ireland, you've got a captain's lager brewed in um, Lithuania, Poland, and each one has its local story and each one has its local language. Um, that'd be pretty cool to have up on a shelf. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. Um, yeah. And so, like I said, this works in that sometimes you approach breweries, sometimes brewers approach you. But I guess you could have some group, like like you said, a charity who thought that this might be useful could come to you That's and right. talk to, could talk to a brewery. Probably they talk to the brewery first, the local brewery. Mm-hmm. And wanted to have some some big event like how I, I sorry I'm, you, you've kind of addressed this already on the size and just thinking like I wouldn't work with their they were having just a one one night event that they'd need no. to have something a bit bigger yeah uh, yeah we there, there's only so much bandwidth as we yeah. we spoke before and it does take a lot of time to get a project um, so a good example is this we can't simply uh, create a event poster with uh, our label and things on it. The event poster actually has to go and get approved from Paramount Entertainment Legal. So it does take time. So we have a a lot of a good group of volunteers basically within our system. We don't make a hell of a lot of money, let's put it this way. It's more of a passion project. Uh, You know, I I, I have another business I do a lot of consulting in. But um, by doing it this way, we really think that we're being inclusive, not exclusive yeah. when it comes to, uh, again, sharing a project with uh, as many uh, people that are interested in sharing it with us. Again, we're looked as we're the licensee. So rather than have a regional or a national manufacturer, our, our, our process is working with local manufacturers. If you want to look at the way it's yeah. done, so it, we're not going to say China bring tons of beer and then shipping it around the world like clothing. Uh, it's more or less finding uh, finding an artisan um, uh, apparel manufacturer, let's say in uh, Ireland, and uh, working with them. Right. And do most of the brewers? Sorry, just curtain there. Are most of the brewers you've worked with so far? Are they doing it? Do you think many for the business side of it, or do they all turn out to be big Star Trek fans? Uh, it's a combination. Um, I, I know Brian Titus from uh, Garrison was one hell of a Star Trek fan. And uh, Jeremy Cowan from Schmaltz, when he was working with us, um, 
they knew more about um, Leonard Nimoy than I did. Uh, Jeremy, uh, if I remember correctly, was a distant re relation to the Nimoy family. So you, you find these things, it, it's, as we spoke earlier, it is the Kevin Bacon rule. You don't know uh, who knows who. Um, I met in at the Edmund, um, Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle in 2016. I met Denise Crosby, and uh, she was, uh, of course, originally a series member. And um, I'm not kidding. What happened is we sat down. She said, I haven't tried your beer yet. It was like 90 degrees outside. Uh, we cracked open two uh, cold uh, Vulcan ales mm -hmm. sitting out outside in the shade just to sort of cool off, talked. She says, I love craft beer. She says, are you going to do anything in Iceland? I go, do something in Iceland? I said, sure, I guess I don't have the rights to do Iceland, but in the future, maybe. So she um, said, I did the Iceland Comic-Con. It was a blast. I highly suggest you work with Gatinger Brewery. Uh, they have, it's a pub, brew pub in Iceland. Although we haven't brewed with um, Arnie at all recently for Star Trek, we hadn't done it yet because we didn't have the rights to do it. I actually was able to import some of his beer into Alberta through that relationship that uh, was built. So you, it's amazing to see. I should probably go back to you know the first batch of beer we released was um, uh, in Vulcan in 2014. And... Um, uh, we met Rod Roddenberry there. He was unveiling Gene Roddenberry's plaque. At, initially, he had showed up. I had just set up the VIP room, you know, getting back to all the beers we were doing. Um, and uh, it, the rest is history. Basically, he was uh, very appreciative of the quality of the products that were available in the VIP function. In fact, uh, several Klingons uh, were having a party um, in joint rooms. They invited Rod, myself, in to join them. Um, they were having their own version because they're all Navy guys. Um, I, I, I think we talked about it earlier, but I might as well go through this. Um, they brought a clean American standard toilet bowl where they filled it with uh, grog, let's put it this way, and forced everybody to drink out of the toilet bowl. Um, Rod had brought in a full case of the uh, White Rabbit Chardonnay we rebottled, which was that organic uh, kosher wine from uh, Hafner. About three, four in the morning, the party was over. But at seven in the morning, my kids had me out of bed, and we were uh, having uh, breakfast in the in the hotel. And at that point, uh, Rod comes up and says, "Can I join you guys?" I was feeling crappy, and Rod looked like nothing had ever happened to him. Um, so every convention, I bump into Rod. Um, I, I we've we've had the ability to sit down and talk to Connor Chenier from Voyager. Connor um, is um, a, uh, can't take gluten. He's a celiac. So in in the past, what I've done is brought in from other friends in the industry, um, kombucha or uh, gluten-free beer. I represent some gluten-free beer brands, brands here. And uh, so if he comes to our hospitality room at the Rio Casino, uh, Rio Casino in Vegas, that's where the Star Trek convention is annually. Um, he can sit down on a bed with Iris Stephen Bear and his wife and several others. And we don't talk Star Trek. Half the time, we, we're so tired after working the event, we're just drinking beer, which is pretty cool.
Right. Well, you've, you've kind of told me I know you're planning this one in Lithuania in October, so I'm hoping that maybe, I, maybe I'll be able to get there and, and experience some of these stories. Well, Brian, Brian, I think um, the, the most important part is we do need quality assurance testing prior to release. Uh -huh. So I might have to get you there um, a couple of times. You know, I might oh, have well. to leverage, leverage your capacity or possibly, I think you said your wife uh, is from there. So maybe yes. it's one of your relations that uh, you can trust not drinking all of the product. You I'm know, sure we have to limit the ration. So, you know, like uh, we, have, we haven't really talked about the captain's lager, but it's a special ration for some of the, uh, um, you know, people that uh, deserve it. You know, the captain's oh. lager is a special ration. So um, you would have to make sure that um, the protocols are being met. All right. Protocols are important. <laughs> no, but um, no, they, listen, it's a fascinating subject. Um, and yeah, it, it's yeah, just the way it's gone about. And hopefully, like you can see, like just from those stories, even I, I think you mentioned before, like some of the brewers, they had, you know, they got the local Star Trek fans were in, dressed up as Klingons mashing yeah. in and that. So I could see like for a brewery, it's a, if you have any interest in Star Trek, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, if you go to, yeah, I think I have a photo on our social media, uh, I think on Facebook, and there's other photos. But um, the group that I spoke about before in Vulcan that forced me to drink out of uh, a toilet bowl, basically, um, it's, it, um, they, they are actually from uh, the Navy of Canada, many of them. And uh, when they heard that, um, Garrison Brewing in Halifax was about to uh, launch a beer. They the, the the timing was perfect. They they headed out for the Halcon convention just prior to that. Um, they they took the opportunity for a photo op, as you're pointing out, mashing in actually on a brew while uh, while they were there. To me, uh, the photos I see there that they shared with me are iconic, and uh, so. Every time we travel somewhere, we're going to meet somebody um, that uh, is very creative. And uh, put it this way, we really don't need movie stars to pitch our product. Uh, the yeah. fans. Do. Yeah, no, I, I can see. I mean, there there probably is no other fan group uh, as fanatic as, as, you know, into it as, as Star Trek. And it, it is legendary. So, um, yeah, so maybe look, um, hopefully that's covered everything. Is there anything we, we should have? chatted there that, that we missed because we've, we've had these kind of half chats before and i'm wondering which, which ones we missed and which ones we covered well well today i think we covered more of the um process of how we go about brewing beer um but um i think in the big picture if any of your audience that listens to it has an idea for a style of beer or episode often where we go to yeah when our, our new episodes were often from suggestions from fans, uh, our website, uh, if a person says, how do I get a t-shirt or a mug? Um, our website has been reopened now, so it's available. We're shipping uh, out of Brazil, Europe. Uh, I believe uh, we have uh, different um, fulfillment centers um, in UK, of course, in Europe. So if anybody, um, is looking to uh, purchase a gift item for a fan that they can do that today. Um, we are working on uh, a First Nation or Indigenous uh, episode uh, from one of the series. Uh, as an example, a suggestion was sent to us 
um, in the last year. Um, and we took note of that. Um, of course, reconciliation uh, is important everywhere in the world. Working with Yuri Pravda, um, it's, it's unfortunate what's happening in Ukraine. And um, there, there will be in the future a re requirement for reconciliation there. So uh, anything that uh, um, is based on an episode of a Star Trek series that somebody thinks is unique and has a good storyline, um, I ask every, anybody just to send us a quick email with a thought on that. Often what we do, uh, we will be doing an internal discussion. And if we think there's a possible fit, uh, we'd be very happy to say thank you very much. I think think we've got something we're going to be working on into 2024. Excellent. So, and that is federationofbeer.com. Yeah, federationofbeer.com. And um, if, if one wants to buy a t-shirt or see some of the artwork we have uh, in place currently, we'll be launching uh, some new artwork in the new year uh, once we start releasing the Engage, Captain's Lager, and Trouble with uh, Tribbles um, um, uh, beer styles that are coming out in the new year. Okay, so, I mean, just to summarize, so if there's any fans who are interested in getting a Star Trek beer, any brewers who would like yeah. to take part, anybody who's interested in Star Trek and basically beer, yeah. get in touch with you and see what can happen. And it might so, not work. Yeah. It might. Yeah. Yeah, so good, yeah, so a good example, uh, we've already received uh, fan requests for a case here, a case there. Um, there is a pre-order form. What we do is if we have say in Ireland, four or five people wanting to buy 10 flats, we share that information immediately with uh, our Irish manufacturing partner or brewer, and uh, so they can reach out as well. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of the decisions we have where to go for a product launch are based on uh, uh, the feedback from fans. Okay. So, yeah, so listen, it's a fascinating thing. I'm really looking forward to, I'm hoping to, to try some myself soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, if anybody has yeah. an idea, any so concept. So I'm going to do a pitch, I guess I should probably do that. So this is one of the Vulcan Ale products that we released. Um, this is uh, was originally brewed by uh, Garrison Brewing in Halifax, and it was also brewed by Schmaltz Brewing in New York. And um, I worked with Yuri from Prop to Beer Theater in the past, and I, of all things, I have Crazy Cow, this is, is Vienna Lager that um, we actually right. imported into um, Alberta uh, about three, four years ago. And uh, in, during the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, um, this, this particular item, which is the golden anniversary ale, and is the voyage to the Northeast Quadrant, to tell you um, a fun story before we leave, this particular product was, um, again, brewed by Schmaltz Brewing in New York. It was launched at the uh, New York uh, 50th anniversary Mission New York in 2016. It was very surreal. Uh, when we were walking um, uh, walking up Times Square, uh, CBS had paid to have the beer launch in Times Square just prior to the product launch in Times Square. So if you imagine walking up and seeing a, that particular beer bottle above your head, in one of the world's most famous iconic places. It brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> Getting back to Quark's Bar, this is one of my personal favorites, the, the profit motive. 
Um, we've uh, taken a look and tweaked it a bit. As I said, um, we're sharing the profit motive when it comes to um, this particular project going forward. Right. Yeah. So again, if there's any like brewers, you're always looking to support local. So here's a way to kind of also support local and have a bit of fun at the same time with loads of photo ops of Klingons and probably tons of publicity as being the only one in in your country or in your region who is doing it. So it sounds like a win-win for everybody, really. I I think so. And um, I thank you very much for um, your help. Uh, in uh, Wednesday's uh, interview with uh, Yuri, um, you know, I guess uh, if anybody, I'll, in closing, if any brewer wants to uh, uh, beam down a label as well as a recipe from a Ukraine brewer, uh, they can go to brewforukraine.beer is the website. Um, already close to 800 breweries around the world have already done so. Uh, from our estimate, about 10 million US dollars has been uh, already donated for refugee relief. Not only in the local markets, often uh, there could be a local Ukraine um, charitable organization helping families that have been displaced by the war. Also, as I think Yuri mentioned, uh, some people are donating directly to brewers that uh, have been affected by missiles within their uh, within their communities. And um, uh, of course, we work uh, very closely to World Central Kitchen. Spoke with Yuri. They're very active feeding families in Ukraine at this point. So that was a logical um, location that we sent some money as right. well. Yeah, that that is, uh, it's good that you mentioned that because that is a, an important thing because the brewers supporting Ukraine, I think they did a fantastic job. They, they really, you know, stepped up yeah. earlier in the thing, but it has kind of lost some of the initiative and I suppose people throw noise so maybe yeah you hit the nail on the head so you know I don't believe as we spoke uh, earlier this week I don't believe anybody have thought this war would be continuing for a year Um, it is I and the uh, the unfortunate part is I don't think um, the brewers um, I think most brewers would like to still help but in their local communities right now with the high inflation and turmoil in the markets, uh, people losing jobs. Um, you know, it's been really tough. So I do know that's the reason what, why we're moving into this Star Trek idea is it would provide uh, these spurs an opportunity to do something unique. Um, everybody knows the brand and it will give them an opportunity to hopefully donate some money to a local food bank. Okay. Well, listen, Vern, thanks a million for your time. I think we leave it there. Yeah. Um, that- pretty hopeful note i think um as we go into the the end of the year um hopefully we're going to have a a lot better 2023 than we've had the last three years really yeah and uh yeah to everybody who's listening hoppy holidays it's uh december and um christmas is only a couple weeks away yeah something to look forward to okay i'm going to play out a little video here again just to close it all off and uh, yeah thanks everybody and um we'll talk to you all again soon let me press this up and we'll get it.